We are live here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. And we are super excited to start off our show this week uh, with DC United's Donovan Pines. Donovan, welcome to the show and thanks for taking some time to hang out with us. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me, John. Appreciate it. No, this is great. So uh, for for most avid DC United fans, they know who you are. They they uh, rooted for you when you were at Maryland. Uh, and, of course, mm-hmm. super excited uh, when you signed a homegrown contract just last year. Um, but right. to start, how are things doing? How are you holding up, you know, back from Orlando, but still living in this coronavirus world? How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing well. I mean, I'm, you know, back at home uh, with my family. So I got to see my sister came back from uh, her clinical rotation. So I was happy to see her when I came back from uh, Orlando and then got to see my, my dad. And, you know, now he's, uh, you know, moving on to his, his next job at Maryland. So um, he's the he's the president of Maryland right now. So I got to um, you know uh, see him in in his new his new house and seeing all all the new things he's doing for the university, making a change and making a difference there. No, that's awesome. And it's and it's always good to see um, your your dog. And um, <laughs> so I was just like I was seeing uh, Rocky when I got home. I uh, you know drove into my my spot at home and I opened the door and you know Rocky's the first one to greet me and it's just <laughs> like oh man. What kind so of dog that was, is Rocky? That was really good. Uh, he's like a golden doodle. So he's uh, you can see. I think there's some pictures on my my Instagram. So you can you can see uh, Rocky there. But uh, he was always excited to see me, and it was good to see my friends too when I came back. So that was that was good. That's awesome. So I I think our first question for you, uh, you know, how was the experience in the bubble? Uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways it it sounded like it was like a training camp part two, you know, the whole team kind of together, but what were, what were your takeaways from the experience? And then of course the games. Yeah, it was like a, um, you know, basically like another preseason. So basically like in Orlando uh, or in the Clearwater. And um, so we're just, you know, training, we're in a confined area in Disney, which is, you know, a dream come true for, uh, (laughs) for some players, but we we couldn't go on the rides, which kind of, you know, uh, sucked. but um, either way, it was still fun to be in the resort. Uh, they had a lot of games for us, which was really fun. They had a nice pool. They had two really nice pools in the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. Um, cool games. We had a lounge area, which we could, uh, you know, chill with our uh, teammates. Of course, we had to wear our masks and keep six to, like six feet away, you know, social distancing. Uh, we had PlayStation, uh, like a little poker set area. We had basically everything in there that we needed. Uh, you know, we just, you know, train, uh, eat, have like have fun in the lounge area, and then you know, do that every day so and then have games that was that was basically um the uh routine every day yeah for me we heard a lot about the games uh we heard you know kevin we've heard a lot about kevin and fifa but we also heard people people was a monster on the ping pong table were were you a victim i mean honestly (laughs) i thought i was pretty good at fifa (laughs) nba 2k and ping pong (laughs) and i got beat in fifa and ping pong by Kevin by KP. So Kevin, Kevin's got some tricks up his sleeve with every game <laughs> he's played me with. Um, so I haven't beat him in any card games. I haven't played him in card games yet. So I'll probably beat him there. Hopefully, because he's got he's he's one up on me in every game I played with him. Uh, people, yeah, he's good at ping pong, no doubt. He gets in your mind. He's a he's a good uh, ping pong <laughs> player. Um, but yeah, it was just you know just beat trying to beat up on my my teammates in 2K or, or FIFA and you know. Uh, go to sleep happy. That's always, you know, the key. <laughs> you have a good night rest. So get that win and then go to bed happy. Wake up feeling all good. 
Yeah, well, it sounds like um, it was a great experience in the bubble. Y'all had a lot of fun together. Um, but what has yeah. it been like since being home? Obviously, it's, you know, you mentioned um, that you were able to see your family, see your dog. But from the team perspective, what's it been like? Are you all training? What's that routine mm-hmm. been? Yeah, it's been like the same leading up to, uh, you know, the MSL's back term. And so we uh, train in the mornings, um, get our test. We usually test every other day. So we test when we get there. Then every, everyone goes to testing, even the coaches. And then after everyone's tested, then we train. Um, and then basically, uh, you know, leave and, and that's it. We, we usually had to um, uh, not use the locker rooms just because we make sure everyone's okay. That was in like the first two weeks. And then, you know, now we can use our locker rooms um, and go through, you know, social distancing and um, just like focus on everyone's, you know, health. And also we can now sit down and social distance while we eat. Uh, you know, in, in the beginning, it was just, we just take our food and go. So we couldn't conversate and, you know, make sure everyone's doing okay, mm-hmm. how their family's doing. But, you know, now we're um, able to conversate and uh, discuss how everyone's doing and, you know, actually uh, be, be, you know, human beings and socialize. So it's, uh, it's been a lot better now uh, since in the beginning. So that's a plus starting to be a little bit more like quote unquote normal i guess <laughs> yeah so that's what i'm saying like it's 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 been kind of like really interesting because it was just kind of kind of weird in the beginning just not saying any just like leave, getting our food and just be like all right we'll see you tomorrow so <laughs> that was that was the thing yeah so so to shift back a little bit to to when things were more more normal you know last season I, I, it it pains me a little bit to bring it up but i got to get your perspective on it i was so sure. excited when i'm convinced you scored your first career goal against minnesota oh. last year we <laughs> oh. remember you running over to the coaches and you were just as oh, excited yeah. as as we were and then they called it back and what was going through your mind in in that moment cuz that was just a brutal var decision yeah that was I was, you know, I was so focused in that game. I was playing against, you know, my, my teammate Chase's team, Chase Gasper and Dane Sinclair. So, um, you know, I really wanted to, you know, play hard for them and, uh, you know, just, just have fun. And also uh, before the game, uh, my my um, trainer, this, this is actually pretty, pretty interesting. My trainer said, Donnie, I'm like, what's up, Goody? He's like, I think I have a good feeling you're going to score today. And I was like, oh, wow. oh, oh, well, thanks, Goody. If I do, <laughs> I'll run straight over to the training staff. Oh. And that's I, I kept my word, you know. I I uh, went up for the for the corner. Wayne crossed it. I headed it in, and I was about to run the Wayne, but then I remembered. I was like, oh, I promised Goody. <laughs> I went straight over to the to the training staff and uh, the coaches, and you know, high fived everyone. And it was just a you know a surreal experience because you know first I, I was like I scored my first MLS goal, plus I just saw a sea of gray. Like I like I was like, where's my you know where's my team? <laughs> and there was just one little like black edge like on the side of the field, and I'm just like, oh, there's my team. I was honestly like, <laughs> like where where is everybody? And then uh, I found them um, after a few seconds. But that was honestly a surreal experience. I, you know, I was really blessed to be a part of that and the whole team in that game. But it was just so unfortunate that it didn't count. But um, you know, hopefully I'll get a, get another one soon, and uh, hopefully it's be a, another good uh, celebration. There's many more to follow. No no doubt. Yeah, Thank you. we're definitely going to count that in our book, and we'll uh, always have that memory. Of <laughs> that means a lot. Wheel <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't go down in the record books. But mm-hmm. you, you're one of the guys, uh, last season especially, that did a lot of double duty between both the, the first team and with uh, Loudoun United. Did you find mm-hmm. that that helped you kind of grow into the role? Or you, know, you were doing several games back-to-back, uh, especially over the course of last July, I think it was. How, how was that experience? 
Right. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, so, you know, I was, I really wanted to just, you know, play and make sure I could play at a, at a high level. So coming out of, you know, the college cup and, um, you know, winning the college cup. And I just wanted to show that I could play in the next level in the USL. And it's okay that I didn't, you know, start immediately going into the MLS. That's okay for me. I was just like, um, you know, maybe I'm not ready. I just need to get my bearings straight, uh, make sure my, my mind and I'm mentally grounded and focused on what I need to do to, uh, you know, clean up my skills to make sure I get prepared for my first start. And it was it was fun. I really enjoyed playing with Loudon. I think it was really fun seeing the guys uh, on Loudon that I knew maybe in college and, um, you know, growing up. So it was fun to play with them. And it was just good to be a part of um, that new team because that was their first year. And it was really fun uh, to be part of that, uh, that team and organization. And, um, you know, it'll be fun if I still go back there because I really enjoy playing with Loudon and under uh, Coach Ryan Martin. So that was it was good to see him because I, I uh, kind of played with him in the academy too uh, as, a, as he was a coach for one of my teams uh, growing up. It was like U16 or something. But, uh, but yeah, so it was just it, – it's really good to be a part of both – basically both teams. Yeah, we love watching you play for both teams. When you are with, Thank you. with the DCU first team, uh, we know – we've got to talk to Brilliant and he's shared his experiences in MLS with us and, and Birnbaum's mm-hmm. with, been with the team for a long time now. Are those – your mentors in the locker room or is there someone else we, we might not think that that is a mentor to you? Oh man. Uh, you could, yeah, you could say that, uh, they are my mentors. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they are, you know, my center back partners in crime. Uh, so they really teach me when I was playing, you know, um, consistently at the MLS level with them, they really taught me every game. So just focus on what you need to do. Just play to your strengths and you'll be fine. Uh, you can play at this level. So they gave me a lot of confidence going to each game. And they really trusted me, so um, I really appreciated their, um, you know, confidence in me and put it, or yeah, putting confidence in myself and just uh, trusting me uh, as I went through my rookie season. So that was I was I was really thankful to have them behind my back. Also, like another, you know, influencer on me was, uh, you know, Quincy Ameriqua. Uh, you know, his his, uh, you know, mental strength league. We heard you so mention he, the MSL earlier. I was almost yeah, going to let MSL. it slide, but I knew <laughs> Quincy left always, his mark. He's always thinking. That's the thing. He's always thinking. So as a, as a you know, rookie player, I don't really know the, the mental grounds of the game um, in the in the professional level. So he kept me, you know, grounded and really helped me, you know, level up in each aspect of just staying focused and, you know, keeping your bearings and keeping your, your feet in the right direction, your head in the right direction. And he was a really good influencer on me and, you know, the young players. So it was like me, Griffin, Antonio Bustamante, remember him? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So just uh, he, was, he was a great influencer just for my, you know, my mental side of the game and just staying focused. That was good. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Um, you know, you've mentioned a couple times having grown up in the area. Did you grow up going to D.C. United games at RFK? Yeah, I did. Uh I was uh, I was ball boying some of the some of those games growing up. Uh, oh wow! I would ball, yeah, yeah. So I would, I would ball boy, uh, you know, some some games at you know RFK. Also, I ball boy games at Maryland too. But um, there was one game I'll never forget where you know Andy Nahar was playing, and I think I was like maybe like ten. I don't know. I was with one of my friends. Yeah. And we were ball boying. Yeah, we were ball boying a game, and I was right behind the goal, and I could just feel the the atmosphere, and I could feel he. He take the touch, and I knew he was gonna take another touch and shoot it. And I'm like, oh, he's like in my high voice because I had a high voice. <laughs> um, I'm like, who's gonna shoot it? You know? Oh, and, <laughs> and he shoots it. He shoots the top corner. And I, I don't know if you still have this. It's still they still have the clip. And 
it's I think I remember I saw it like a couple years ago and I put my hands up like it was like you know and it was it was crazy it was a it was an unbelievable experience because they run to the corner and I wanted to go but I did you know stay doing my job behind the goal but it was it was it was really fun it was a it was a good experience we're definitely gonna have to look up that clip yeah now. yeah <laughs> that's gonna be our homework yeah, to try to find yeah it. you'll probably you probably can't see my face but you can know that's me because my hands are up like, I was, <laughs> I was, yeah it was it was just a great experience it was fun we're live with DC United's Donovan Pines here on Tried and True, the DC United Post Game Podcast, presented by Heineken. If you've got questions for Donovan, uh, feel free to send them in using the hashtag Tried and True DCU. So, one of the things at University of Maryland for you was overlapping with with Chris Duyacham a little bit. So, how, how does it feel mm-hmm. to train uh, again with a with a college teammate? Yeah, I think Chris is like you know another brother to me on the field and off the field because he he always had my back when I was in uh, University of Maryland and you know kept tabs on me and. Um, you know, also another influencer on me because uh, he's just he's such a, you know, a humble guy, nice guy, and he knows the game. And he's always a good person to talk to when, you know, uh, you're in doubt or uh, just like need, you know, pick me up. So I always appreciate Chris. And on the field, he's a great competitor. We always compete against each other. He's a right back. I'm a center back. But, you know, if he's, you know, bombing out the right side and he's on my right side as a center back, I try to stop him, you know, in his tracks. But it's always a good battle, uh, you know, playing against him and in training and in practice and I love to see him you know always do well on the field as well so I'm I'm glad he's back on the field he's doing well um and it's just good to have another you know University of Maryland player uh on the on the field and in the in the uh on DC United yeah that's awesome we love to see it um kind of sticking with the the college mindset for a minute I remember um, the DC United a little while back posted a picture of it was I think a training or something like that and it was a bunch of guys goofing mm-hmm. off on the sidelines and I remember you were sitting there with a biology book studying so we know no you're way. very studious <laughs> yep <laughs> and obviously you know oh. it runs in your family you know you mentioned your dad's the president of the University of Maryland um, do you right. see kind of an academic um, career afterwards you're going to join academia have you given it mm-hmm. any thought uh, that's a that's a really good question again um <laughs> Right now, uh, it's kind of funny because uh, today I had a you know good talking to from my dad to you know keep doing my classes because I had to switch from um, you know biology to environmental environmental science and I was kind of kind of mad about that because I worked really hard in biology. Yeah. Um, but then uh, you know environmental science is also you know a good major as well um, for what I really like to do. Um, but then because I can't take any labs because I'm always traveling for soccer. Uh, for, yeah, for, for DC, um, I had to switch to sociology, which is still fine. But now the, you know, take more classes because I was ahead in, you know, biology and environmental science. And now I have to, you know, keep going and get take more classes to get the credits I need to graduate for, uh, for sociology. So, you know, I'm still trying to um, stay in tune with what I like to do. So I still kind of read my biology books. And, you know, uh, I still I, I studied Chinese for like three and a half years. So I kind of look back at that and go over some um, Mandarin, uh, simplified Mandarin Chinese. And just to keep my, you know, um, just mind still open to new things. And so I can still have that, you know, process in my mind of, you know, languages and understanding of certain processes. So I can still have a a good basis of everything um, whenever it comes up in my daily life, uh, if that happens. Uh, But yeah, but yeah, um, my dad always says, okay, make sure you talk to your advisor and get your uh, class sorted out. I'm like, yes, dad, I will. Thank you. <laughs> so he's all, he's always, he's always on me. So, which is good. Cause sometimes I, I forget about it cause I get caught up in, in the soccer world, mm-hmm. but, uh, but he's always, he's a great loving father and I really appreciate all he's done. I'm really proud of him. 
yeah, for well. uh, what he's done for the university and uh, you know what he's going to do for the university in the future. Yeah, sounds like you're a renaissance man. You're just knowledgeable in all topics. I don't know how you have time for anything between <laughs> soccer and hey. studying. <laughs> hey, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You know, you know speaking you know, back to the on-the-field uh, activity, uh, you know, we've heard a rumor that you spent some time overseas uh, during this offseason uh, training with a, a foreign team. Can you uh, give any details on that? Uh, yeah, so I, tra- I got, you know, the um... – Okay, I was allowed to train with Swansea City uh, in Wales. So for two weeks, I went there, you know, alone. I was supposed to go with a couple of, you know, DC United uh, guys, but you know, they kind of bailed. I'm not going to name names, but uh, <laughs> so it was. I was only me, which I was fine with. It was a good experience. I really enjoyed it. I really was blessed that uh, DC allowed me to go over there, and you know, I had a great time. I mean, the the guys over there, they were really happy I was there. They didn't even know me, but they kind of brought me like I was one of their own oh. and uh, showed me showed me around uh, in Wales. Also, uh, what's his name? Jo- uh, Johnny Northeast. He he uh, helped me actually get acquainted in my hotel and helped me, uh, you know, just get familiar with the city. So I really was blessed to have him there, too. Uh, so he's a great guy. I'm really sad that he's not here uh, with us uh, in D.C. Uh, now, but I know he's doing better things in, um, in Swansea, back in Swansea with his family. What was the uh, best so... meal you had in Wales? I'll put you on the spot. Best best meal. Whoa! You can definitely cop out and say it's not as good as DC food. <laughs> yeah, let's just say uh, there's differences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll leave it at that. Did you uh, pick up any Welsh while you were over there? Uh, I actually wrote down some stuff, but I I don't I don't remember at the moment. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a good question, Danny. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. He's working on maybe the next next episode. Next episode. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you got your hands full. You got the biology. You got you know being a top flight soccer player. Yeah, you know, Mandarin. Why not add some, uh, uh, relax, relax. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We're good. We're good. Uh, so, so we know that when you were leaving Maryland, you were courted by QPR, Everton, and Celtic. Uh, and you currently, if we're correct, you hold a British passport. Is there a European future for you, soccer wise? Uh, oof, dang, you're, you're going to have some, some really, some heat. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. So yeah, I was looking at, I was looking at those clubs. Basically I went over there with my team at Maryland. Uh, I think my sophomore year in the spring and we went to England and we played QPR. We played, um, Leicester city under 23s. We played a Welsh team called Connors key. Uh, and we're supposed to play Stoke city, but I think they opted out, but you know, we did really well in those games. And I think we won all those games uh, against those teams. And, you know, I, I played really well. A couple guys really played well. And, um, I did really well in one game against QPR and I shut down their, their starter, their striker that they signed, um, you know, for a lot of money, I think it was their top striker, but he played for the 23s cause he was coming off injury. So I shut him down. I did really well. And that's when. I was going to go over there for a trial after um, my fall season. And that was when I, uh, I won the college cup and I, I did really well then back then. And um, so I was, I was really wondering, you know, uh, if, if I really could make it. Cause I was like, yeah, I can, I think I can challenge myself. I really want to see if I can play against these guys in, in Europe and do well. Um, and I, I wanted to go, but you know, DC um, uh, followed up with me after the tournament uh, put a contract in and, you know, I discussed it with them and, you know, I signed uh, that 
think it was like uh three weeks after the college cup and so then yeah so that that was that was it was a lot of you know um what if am i going i was about to go and then you know they quickly called me and said you know we they offered me something and um i went from there we're we're certainly glad you ended up with dc united uh, and it's great to watch you here man you know, I, it. it's great to hear that you guys beat Leicester because that's John's favorite team. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. My bad, John. Nah, <laughs> listen, hey. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> what I heard was that you played really well in all three games, and, and that's what counts. <laughs> Plus, oh, it's U23. Lot, man. So. I appreciate you. Uh, yeah, speaking of U23, I know you had, um, you know, a call up with the USMNT U23 uh, team. How was that experience? Uh, yeah, that, that was a great experience. Honestly, all those guys were really nice. They they also welcomed me um, in open arms, and it was just good to be, I guess, you know, uh, called back in since I didn't get called back in. Got called back in um, under when I was in uh, the U18s mm-hmm. uh, for the U.S. And that was that was before I went to college, and I think I kind of messed up in one of those games, and you know, I really uh, that kind of hit hard with me because I really worked hard in that camp, and I had one mess up, and it just kind of screwed my my. Um, chances with them uh, with the, in the future but you know when I did well in the tournament I, I just put my head down and said okay I'm going to keep working hard and hopefully I can get back on this track of the U.S. national team and um, I was really blessed that they called me back in after the turn the college cup and asked me to go to Spain for the under 23s camp and I got to see all my uh, friends from you know the U18 uh, camp and you know growing up and it was really good they're like oh you're back Don and you know, they, they forgot how uh, how funny I was. How I, I, I was so positive. So it was it was easy to, to fit right in uh, to to that group. And you know, it was a cool, great group of guys, and it was really fun to be a part of that group in Spain. That's awesome. That's great to hear. And you know, we're all obviously very excited for when you make that senior team debut. Um, obviously, Paul yeah. is a regular with that team. Do you ever have the opportunity to, to talk with Paul Ariola about you know his experience playing with the national team? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, I mean, he's you know been doing rehab, so it's kind of hard to you know get in touch with him yeah. um, off field. Just, but you know, it's I, I talked to him last year. Um, he's like, just keep working hard. You'll get your chance. Uh, just keep wor- uh, believing in yourself, and um, you know everything will follow through. So um, I talked to Russ too, um, Paul, and they said just keep working hard and uh, keep believing in yourself, and we'll believe in you. And you know, they're they're great. They're great players. Uh, just great people and great competitors and. I always aspire to, you know, hopefully be like them. And um, I just really um, blessed to have them on my team, have them as like a mentor as well. And, you know, everyone on the team is like a mentor and we're all just a family. And it's just great to have everyone, you know, hopefully, um, you know, doing well and you can do well um, when the season starts back up. Well, this has been so great talking to you and getting to know you a little more this afternoon. Donovan, thanks for joining us. We, we have one final question for you. And, and, sure. and this is one that we like to give all your teammates. And we've heard – some very interesting answers, I guess, to say the least, uh, <laughs> so, no so far this year. So yeah, no, no pressure. Uh, we'll put okay. we'll put like thirty seconds on the clock. Why should we put pines on the back of our twenty twenty DC United jersey? Uh, I mean, just just for the for the for family, you know. I, I'm a really family oriented guy. Uh, I believe in in you know uh, families first, and uh, I feel like. Uh, so it's a great last name. Uh, so it's part, you know, the, the pine tree, a tall pine. Uh, and it's, uh, I feel like it's a great last name uh, to have in the back of your jersey. 
That's awesome. Hey, thanks so much uh, again for hanging out with us today. It's DC United's Donovan Pines joining us here on Tried and True, uh, and we will throw it to break and, and be right back with plenty of DC United news to talk about as well as what the, the U.S. men's national team qualifying road will look like coming up here in just a few minutes. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than two minutes. Can't listen to us live on YouTube? Find Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or Pocket Casts the morning after the match. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 90 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening live. If you want to join the conversation, let us know what you think in real time using the chat on YouTube Live, on Twitter using the hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU, or text us at 202-892-6328. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 60 seconds. Let us know what you think between games on Twitter at hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU or email us at TriedAndTrueDCU at gmail.com. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 30 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and give us a follow on social media. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at TriedAndTrueDCU. Again, that's Instagram or Twitter at TriedAndTrueDCU. And we're back here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. No game this week uh, for the black and red, but we're going to talk a little bit about what that's going to look like soon. Uh, but around the rest of the MLS's back tournament, it's not gone according to plan, has it? It has not. This tournament has been wild. Yeah, into the final four now, and I've admitted on the show, I've admitted to you guys uh, outside of the airwaves, uh, I don't. Gen- I generally have to take some time myself when my team's eliminated, regardless of the sport, regardless of the team, right? <laughs> so so I did not watch uh, the, the first couple matches of the knockout rounds, but I started to get back into it. Um, and, and so if, like me, you guys have stepped away from the tournament for a bit, Portland, Philadelphia, Orlando, and Minnesota are the final four just like we all saw coming. right yeah that's what I'm pretty <laughs> sure everyone thought that was going to happen uh, no it's just been upside down in the league so far uh since he was decent for a while and, and minnesota is one of the better team orlando beat lafc the other night like uh crazy so maybe dc and i are good it's just this tournament is backwards any tournament that has orlando within you know, <laughs> two games of potentially lifting a trophy wow. it, it's got to be upside down i think what one of these four teams has made an mls cup i don't think yeah portland's one and, and uh, the other three haven't the other three haven't even made a conference final uh so this is a 
very strange occurrence for sure. I will say, I know we get to, I mean, these United fans love to, you know, give hate to Orlando, but if they win the tournament, there's two asterisks. Like, it's not, one, it's not a real cup, and then two, it was like in your backyard. <laughs> so, like, that doesn't really count. I think it will be interesting, yeah, once this tournament is finished, you know, if, if one of these teams, if it is their first kind of victory, it's their first trophy, you know, their first meaningful MLS win um it'll be interesting you know how they put the mickey ears on the right line. oh i would love to see that but it'll be interesting <laughs> how kind of the, how they tote it like how they promote it in a couple years how they still talk about it and then how the other fans will also talk about it i, I mean the crazy part is orlando have been good and they've been fun to watch uh and, and it's been it, it's it's tough to to rag on orlando right now they, they're, they're fun <laughs> yeah i mean you watch their game against lafc the other day and going into that you absolutely expect that the juggernaut that lafc has set up over the last season or two has would roll right through them but frankly when orlando scored late to tie it up and send it penalty kicks it was a result that you expected to come and then you know things where they wait where they may when you get to penalties but yeah. orlando deserved that tie and sure did. had the opportunity to put themselves through and they did so who do you guys got winning it? Oh, from from this group, I'm gonna go with the experience. I, I think Portland play a style that's gonna hold up as fatigue starts to set, set in more and more. They they play a counter style, so you're just defending. I mean, it's like DC United, but with a like, counter attack. Uh, so you defend most of the game, and then you wait for one or two chances. So I feel like that lends, uh, you know, like I said, with the fatigue, with the, like these hot summer nights. Uh, I, I have them going for it, and then they have the experience of winning a cup final. I mean, they didn't win the most recent one they've been to, but they've been there before, and they know what to do. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I think they have experience in the bigger games, but I, I also don't put my whole emphasis behind that because this tournament right. has just been crazy, and I could totally see, like, Orlando pulling through or – you know minnesota capitalizing on this shot even you know philly just taking it all the way like i could really make a case for any of these four teams because they've all just been playing really great hashtag mls's back soccer i think if orlando wins they have to make that their home stadium from now on like, <laughs> forget the one they built in downtown orlando they have to play at disney from now on i love it uh you know i think portland's a good shout they're obviously a team with experience they're a team that scores goals i'm not going to sleep on this philadelphia team uh, no. they have they had a great down the stretch last year and, you know, really looked like a team that could threaten the playoffs. They've been playing well this year. I would not be surprised to see Philadelphia go through. On the other side, I very much am hoping that uh, Adrian Heath and Minnesota get revenge on Orlando and send them out, send them the long, long drive back down the highway 20 minutes or so. <laughs> You're not allowed to – any source of media is not allowed to say Minnesota have a chance because they, like, embody that underdog mentality. Like, That's they, right. they yell at people all the time, like, oh, you guys don't respect us. And literally, like, right now everyone is giving them respect. And I was listening to uh, uh, Gasper, I think, in an interview saying that they still, like, pick out the negative stuff they hear online and play that in the locker room. So they still have, like, the underdog mentality. It's really fun. They're, yeah, they were saying that during their last game, too, yeah. is that people try to say, oh, you have a shot, and they're like, no, we're the underdog, and <laughs> you can't take that away from us, basically, which, I mean, kind of says something. I don't fault them for that, right? It obviously, that's what they built their team mentality around is kind of disproving other people, and they're not used to playing, you know, thinking that they're the big kids in the park. So I don't blame them if that's – I mean, that's gotten them this far in the yeah. tournament. Did so. we talk you into Minnesota, John? No, you didn't, but I'm going to pick them because that was what I was going to say all along. It was the perfect setup, right? I mean, I, I think – here's the thing. Uh, Portland, it, it, obviously, you guys are spot on. They've got the experience. They should be the favorites. 
they're playing Philadelphia, who's the team out of this group I would want to play the least. So I think there's a good shot that Philly take out uh, Portland. Orlando, Minnesota is a bit of a toss up because they're both just playing so well. But but I think I think it's going to be Minnesota uh, and Philly in the final. And and Philly just historically as a sports town is a disappointment. So I don't think they'll get it done in the final. Uh, and and I and I think uh, it'll be the loons, which will be interesting. And, and it'd be a very quirky first tournament for Minnesota to win. Yeah. It, would, it would really kind of fit the mold. Uh, but we do have some exciting news back on the DC United front. Um, I, the last time we were all together, we were moping through the results of that Montreal game and trying to talk ourselves into the positives with this team. Well, <laughs> big positive came out not long after that. Paul Ariola signing a contract extension to the 2023 season with a club option for 24. Uh, he This is officially a designated player deal. Uh, so he joins Edison Flores with the, the designated player uh designation and and i i want to say he he joined the team perhaps as a young dp and transitioned into a designated oh, player yeah. there, there was something there but it was very clear in, in the press conference that michael you got to attend that this was definitely a, a dp deal and what did you take away from from that press conference well the biggest thing that you heard from paul when he was talking about his excitement for this deal you know this is not something where well i guess i you know need to take the deal that's in front of me he was excited to be back with dc united yeah. uh you know he really focused on the fact that dc united has become his second home you know he grew up in southern california you know commuted across the border to go train at cholos when he was down there and came to dc as you know an opportunity to kind of have a, a new home as well and it's really become home for him and he talked a little bit about how during his recovery from this in, that gruesome injury at the beginning of the year the team has been you know right there behind him and i think this deal tells you that the team believes in him and he was very insistent that he is not going to uh that that faith is not misplaced that the uh team is going to be better off for him he thinks that he's got a, a good core to build around and He's excited to get back out there. Um, you know, one of the things that they mentioned uh, during the press conference was, you know, he's obviously been a guy who's been with the national team several times, and he mentioned that, you know, in the past sometimes people have been pressured to go to Europe or you know look at potentially bigger and better opportunities, but uh, he really saw that DC United was the best place for him to continue growing and be ready to take on that next challenge. So he's excited. He's ready to get back out there when he gets the chance and let's all hope that soon man's a friend of the show and uh, yeah. we want to watch him play so what do you all make of that obviously like aside from like relief that he signed the long-term contract and dc united gets to keep him and you know happy that he's apparently really happy here what what do you see in this signing can i make the joke that he watched the mls back tournament and saw how hopeless dc united were without him <laughs> and felt really needed and that's why he's. Under- I-, I was gonna make the joke that he's now at least moved forward, if not to the top of who I'll put on the back of the jersey just now that he's got more time on his contract. <laughs> well, I was going to make no. the serious comment. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. No, uh, also serious, but we got to talk to Paul the first week, so if you haven't seen that episode, definitely go back and listen to his interview because we got to, we, we dove into that a little bit. Like, how does it feel being here and you have a, a traumatic injury uh, that, that sometimes ruins players' careers and DC United – which, I mean, knock on wood, that doesn't happen to Paul. I don't think it will just because of his work has it. But DC United supported him from the very get-go. Yeah. They, they immediately started these contract negotiations, said, hey, we're here for you. The owner reached out to him. It, it, it was a great and, and Paul seemed to think or, or feel those same sentiments. Yeah, I, I mean, it's no secret Paul's one of my favorite DC United players, so I was over the moon for this news. Um, I, I think one of the things that I saw online a lot that was a very good point, uh, especially talking about how he sees the team as his family, um, 
you know, he mentioned he's been here through two of the toughest parts of his life. One, he's obviously living right now with his traumatic knee injury, but he also lost his father um, while he was playing for, for DC United. And, um, you know, that to be able to say that about the club that they, you know, not only supported you, but were your family during that time. And I mean, this kid grew up on the other side of the country, um, which, you know, we talk a lot of, about, you know, English soccer on the show and how close together everything is. But like, this is far. It's far away from, from Southern California. And so I think truly I put a lot of stock in what he said there about like, this is a club he wants to be a part of. This is his family, uh, you know, here. He, he did uh, buy a home in Ashburn, it sounds like, which is right in line with the new facility that's going to be out in Loudoun. Um, you know, making the moves to really put down roots here and, and be with the club. And, and yeah, it's, it's great news. And, and it's um, it's exciting that he seems to be part of the national team picture, you know, going forward too. Um, this is a big deal. If, if, if the U.S. men's national team, and of course we'll talk about this later, can qualify for this World Cup, um, to have a, a starter on that roster starting for, for D.C. United, that's huge. You know, that, that's huge for exposure for the club, but it also says a lot about Paul as a player and the kind of guy you and want on the roster. I think it also loops in, and you're talking about family, it reminded me how close he is with Russell Canals, and, and so maybe that's yep. a bit of it there. Maybe, he, I mean, it, it, if you get to work with someone and they, you feel like they're your brother, like, you wouldn't want to leave that situation. And they're both pushing each other forward. They're both on on that U.S. men's national team radar. Uh, so hopefully this leads to a Russell Canales, you know, contract negotiation and we get the, him even longer. I, I, I love that we have that as a base for a culture, like players that really care for each other. And to me, that says a lot. You know, just thinking back to the last show we did, you know, we were so frustrated I about... I knew you were going to go this way. That, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to turn it positive. But, you know, we were so frustrated with how the team was doing. And we were so frustrated with some of Ben's answers in that post-game press conference. And, you know, we, we definitely talked about that in the last show. But something a comment that John made that I just, like, have been coming back to in this week and a half or whatever since the last show is that... You know, Ben's never lost the locker room. You know, you can say at times that he's lost the fans, that, you know, people are really frustrated with him. But the locker room has always been behind him. And I think this is like the epitome of that, that you have somebody who's a USMNT regular, um, one of our better options along the way. He he has options. Exactly. That's what I mean. So the fact that he so strongly feels that DC United is the place for him, especially because part of what we talked about was that lack of offensive creativity um, and, you know, how it might be hard to convince offensive players to stay here and that they're going to be able to grow here and really set themselves up well, either for an entire career here or for their next move. But, you know, we saw that Paul, that's what he believes he can find here. And that to me is just super telling that there's something going on, like in the locker room and in the talks that the team has that the fans aren't privy to. Um, And I think I'm just like, excited to see that happen and it does give me hope because we were super sour after the last game and after you know this whole tournament really but it does give me hope going forward that there's like still a plan that just hasn't been seen to fruition and and i feel like that that builds if i'm an attacking player considering an mls team and i've watched a u.s men's national team game where paul's tearing it up i'd be like yeah i'd I'd like to play with that guy on on the right wing or or, you know at center midfield where where he plays i'd want to play with a, a guy like that so you know that that kind of builds on on itself and it could be a fun time in the future yeah and you know that locker room culture has to translate onto the field at some point you can't just have a group of guys that are happy to be there with each other but i really do have to give kudos to the dc united front office for making this move you know there is risk involved here this is guy coming back from a serious injury you know the acl is not the you know 
season ending thing that it may have been you know many years ago but it still requires a lot to get back and you know who knows how long it's going to take for him to get back to where he expects to be so you know kudos to the team for recognizing that you know this is a guy with potential he's a guy who has been a leader on your club to go ahead and lock him up to that long-term deal how many years did we go uh, saying, hey, why won't this team sign a DP? Why won't this team try to make those big name signings? Yeah. You know, to have a guy like Paul Ariola, and he's been working for us, and to go ahead and bring him back uh, for the long term, you know, props to the front office for uh, recognizing that need and filling it. Yeah, it, it's a partnership, you know, between between Paul and the team, and, and both parties seem to be, you know, very excited about where it's where it's headed. And, and speaking of partnerships, you know, we're excited uh, to announce. <laughs> Better transition. I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, give me no credit. Uh, we're, we're excited to announce here's tried and true uh, that, that we're in a partnership now with Across the Pond uh, as, as the official DC United podcast of, of Across the Pond. Uh, we got to check them out this week. I know uh, Sam, you and Joshua were, were regulars long before <laughs> before I was. Are maybe still working towards becoming, <laughs> um, but they're a great bar. Uh, they show all of the soccer games. Uh, they're also a Giants bar, which is awesome in my book. Um, Would they say a Packers bar too? A Patriots on Patriots the other side, bar. But, you know. Um, yeah, but yeah, they, they're uh, they've got awesome food. They're open uh, for both indoor dining, outdoor dining, and takeout right now. Um, we actually went and, and sat inside just kind of get a feel for how that was working before we formally endorsed them on the show right um and i'll tell you guys i haven't seen contact tracing done in a couple months and and that was the first thing they did so if you have any if you're feeling uneasy at all about you know dining out or, or dining indoors th- these guys were 100 percent by the book uh it, it was great to see the food's great yeah the, the tables were all spread out i want to say that there was um hand sanitizer on every table there were a yep. couple on the bar there was one when you walked in like you said they had the sheet for contact tracing yeah, their food's amazing. You know, their beer prices are great. Um, again, like John said, we went. We wouldn't endorse something we weren't comfortable with. They have very spread apart seats inside. They also have an outdoor back area, and the front um, part of their restaurant is going to be converted into space. So we felt very safe, but also, you know, we don't want to pressure anybody into going and dining in a restaurant if you're not comfortable with it. You know, obviously, we are still in a global pandemic, and you know, we do need to be smart. And if you don't feel that that's the move for you, they are doing um, both pickup and you can get delivery through, I think they said Grubhub. Yeah. Um, so we would absolutely recommend doing that. Yeah. And, and just for listeners of our show, um, they're actually doing a discount code uh, this week. So that that's valid uh, through midnight on Saturday, August 8th. That's the discount code podcast. And you'll save 5% uh, on orders over $25. That's valid for carryout, for gift certificates, if you eat in-person inside, in-person outside, phone-in orders. Um, They've got happy hour from 3 to 8 every day. That does include weekends, which kind of blows my mind a little bit and is (laughs) awesome. Um, And, and of course, as I mentioned, they're showing all of the soccer games all of the time, and that includes the championship final uh, on Tuesday, Brentford-Fulham, a little bit of a West London derby, which I'm excited to check out. And, of course, the Europa and Champions League games come back this week as well, so... Check out Across the Pond uh, and, and tell them your friends from Tried and True saying you're using the promo code podcast. Yeah, they're great. I hope everyone gets a chance to check them out, however you're comfortable. So speaking of soccer, uh, which we talk quite a bit about on the show, obviously, uh, return <laughs> to play rumors have hit. Uh, have hit you yeah, just said we give you too much credit and then that. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's got, somebody's got to move the show along, right? Um <laughs> Jeff Reuter and Sam Stasekul. Thank you, Joshua. I got Speaking right of moving along, plans for a return to play are coming <laughs> along. That's right. That's where we're headed. Um, 
<laughs> they broke some news last week about what the post MLS's back tournament life would look like. Uh, the the high level rumors would be that there was 18 games in the cards for all the teams uh, coming back starting later this month. That would bring the total uh, for those of you keeping score at home up to 23. There were two games for every team before the pandemic. Of course, the three group stage games uh, that didn't go so great for DC United count in the MLS's back tournament, and then, yeah, 18 more. So the very young season, if they can pull this off. Um, Nashville and Dallas, of course, were the two teams that uh, had to drop out of the MLS's back tournament because of uh, a number of positive cases on both teams. They're scheduled to play each other three times to make up those games, and there's rumors that that could start as early as this Friday in Frisco. Uh, so with the MLS's back tournament winding down, the quantity of games winding down, we could have uh, so, some, some Dallas-Nashville uh, action to fill some of the empty slots in your calendar, but that's that's three times back to back, though, right? Or, or something crazy like, like, like they're making up the games they missed I, in the tournament. I, yeah, it's just crazy to me. I jokingly <laughs> was like, we were talking about how they're gonna have to make up the games. I was like, oh, they're just gonna play each other three times, like totally yes. jesting. <laughs> and you were like, yep, they, they are. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually the plan. <laughs> but I don't know how else you do it, right? Like I mean, start of a rivalry. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and two teams from different conferences, like. You know, however many games the pick we're going to do, there's no way that we're actually going to have a balanced schedule. To be fair, they were one. in the same conference. Yeah, different for a conferences. Year. <laughs> <laughs> but different conferences for the remainder of this, this right. year with Nashville moving to the East. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a challenge for sure. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's interesting. It, that's by no means the only challenge. And we'll <laughs> oh, talk gosh. a little bit about uh, Major League Baseball's challenges, the USL's challenges. But just right now, um, the, the border with Canada is still closed. Um, so obviously MLS has three Canadian teams and, and the early plans here would be for the rest of the season to be divided into two phases. The first phase would be a six game round, uh, six games per team from the August 22nd through September 13th. Um, and, and that would actually have the Canadian teams playing only against each other in Canada during that time. So going to be some, some interesting fixtures racking up there. Obviously Toronto and Montreal played uh, in the same group as East United. So they've seen each other once already this season. Um, so, yeah, no chance that the schedules are balanced at the end of this year. Um, yeah. And then moving into phase two, which would be the remainder of the season, I, I think the league's holding out hope that that border opens. I don't know that I would put really any money on that. And so you may see a situation where Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver have to do what the Toronto Blue Jays have done in baseball and, and really kind of establish a home here in the U.S. Uh, oh. The Blue Jays, of course, uh, are <laughs> flirted with most cities on the eastern seaboard, and they <laughs> ended up um, – forming a partnership with Buffalo where their AAA affiliate is and they're playing all their home games there. So you could see something similar for for Toronto FC. In that article, it said that Toronto had been looking at that specifically, but they hadn't seen that the other two teams were. And I thought that was interesting, but I didn't realize that another Toronto team had already done that. So it makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. So, I I mean... (laughs) It's going to be interesting. I'm excited to hear that there's so many games, um, and, and truly that that's the DC United fan in me coming out because we've got some work to do. Uh, but it, what what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, it, it's not been easy for the for the two um, the two leagues that well, I guess three if you count USL as two uh, that have, that have tried to play without a bubble. It's not been easy. There have been positives. We we know that that's going to continue to happen. Um, how do, you, how do you guys think this goes, if this is the plan? And, and remember, this has not been formally announced by the league. It was rumored that it would happen at the end of last week, and, and I do wonder if a bit of that, uh, the fact that it wasn't announced, is because of the challenges that Major League Baseball and the USL have seen this week. 
Yeah, I think that you've seen a lot of challenges come out with it. And, you know, baseball and soccer have very different makeups, too. Because with soccer, you've got to have a couple of days between games to really get the best out of your players and have the opportunity to have them perform at their best. Baseball, you could sit out there and watch the grass grow all day if you want to uh, <laughs> and do as many doubleheaders as you need to do to fit it in. So you do have some more issues because if you do have games delayed, you get into you know, fixture congestion in a hurry and it becomes very, very challenging. So I I have concerns about how they're going to make it work. I think we're all hoping for the best, hoping that you know things hold up and people stay healthy and stay safe and are able to do it. Uh, you've seen a couple USL teams delay games. You've seen others. Uh, Loudon tonight. Yeah. yeah, they had to push this game back. Today. Did they really? Yeah. I didn't see that. It's yeah, it's at seven tonight. Uh, if you're watching oh, this, this specific game was pushed back yeah. to tonight. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And you've seen other teams, uh, I think Atlanta United 2 came out and said that they're not going to have fans at uh, the stadium for the rest of the season. You know, that's a slightly different situation because it's an affiliate team, not necessarily relying on their own sponsorship dollars. But, you know, a lot of different teams having to make different decisions on how to make it happen. I think we're all happy to see soccer back, uh, but this is really going to be the challenge. I, Sam, you made a squinty face there. (laughs) Go uh, go ahead, Sam. I'm like, I mean, I'm really skeptical. And, you know, I think on the... As a show, we were all very, like, optimistic about the MLS's back tournament. We were all very, like, hopeful that the protocols were going to work. And we've seen that they have. They haven't had any more positive cases kind of since those initial ones at the beginning. Um, But I'm just much more skeptical of this plan because, like, we're living in America. And you have seen what has happened with the other leagues. You know, we don't really have this virus contained yet. So I think it's... um, I, I wish that MLS had just gone out on a high note with the bubble because we're, I feel like we're getting a lot of praise. And um, wasn't there another league that was going to use – oh, the, the ba- basketball is using kind of the bubble format and using, yep. um, you know, a lot of the same protocols that MLS was using. And I, I, I wish we had just, again, gone out on the high note. And I, I really don't see all these games happening. <laughs> I think that a lot of them will be postponed. I think you're, that you're going to get a lot of players testing positive and – but, I mean, it's the same, like, the NWSL did their very successful bubble. They had no positive cases at all in that bubble, um, and that was supposed to be the end of their tournament. But, um, you know, the Athletic just came out with that article that they're also potentially looking at doing yeah. more games before the end of the year. So it's obviously, like, a very strong temptation, and this is obviously always MLS's plan. But I just I – don't, I don't see it being as successful as the bubble, and I don't, I don't see it going according to plan. Yeah, and USL is kind of proving that right now. They they have had issues that you know Black talked about. So I feel like if you're not a USL fan, uh, soccer wise, just follow that league right now to see how their their return to play is going. And I feel like MLS is going to take a, a lot from that. I mean, there's a lot of similar. It's literally the same sport. You're in somewhat of the same areas of the country doing the same kind of thing. Uh, I, I'm worried about it too. I I don't know if it's the best idea just yet because the usl has had those issues i almost would be fine with like a couple more bubble situations but i think the problem there is that players would have to get on board with another two months away from family yeah i don't Uh, see that happening yeah so i I think there's there's two things you got to kind of break down on that because you're right i mean the the bubble situation obviously is effective and and works and and you know the usl has done at least in the championship they've done you can't really call it a bubble but they've done the pods at least where you know they're trying to minimize travel as much as possible and and the athletic does indicate that that's at least the concept of trying to reduce travel as much as possible is is part of what uh, mls would like to do uh i'll tell you it scares the hell out of me that we could be in a group with like philly and you know new york new jersey yeah uh, yeah toronto again i mean 
it, it doesn't seem great for our, our on the field prospects, but that could be potentially the only you know the only way forward. I also just don't think you see pretty soccer coming out of this. Like in that article, it said that you know it'd do be a lot of same day travel on buses when it's available, and you would kind of bus to the game and bus right back to kind of prevent staying in a hotel room. Um, and I just don't see successful soccer coming out of that. Like Black had mentioned, you really need those couple of days to get acclimated. If you're yeah. sitting on a bus, it for what is it four hours to philly is the closest game that it would be um which way are you going to philly like via Pittsburgh, West how Virginia? long is it <laughs> <laughs> it should be like two hours it, it, it is not that close is it well we usually had a ton of traffic on sam that. hasn't okay, traveled in a long time yeah obviously. <laughs> <laughs> i guess COVID. without traffic you're right it would be a lot less but still like just sitting for any for an extended period of time on a bus and yeah. then being expected to play a soccer game and then playing that soccer game and then having to sit back down on that bus for hours on end like players are going to lose their legs injuries are going to happen um it's it's not going to be pretty soccer and i think the players are going to be pretty upset about it yeah i think it's going to be interesting if they end up going back to another bubble situation you know that's, that's going to be another round of negotiations between the league and the players yeah i would love to see a more extended bubble instead of just three games you know you play several more i don't have a and that just be it more. like that be the season or, or i mean if or that's what a band-aid again if that's what you have to do yeah. I, I think you know if you say have a lot of games get postponed you say hey we have, we've got to come in we got to say play a bubble starting in late october and then have that run through november and call it a day maybe that's a way to get some games in make it happen but you know i think we'll also be interesting to see what the players said you know donovan came on our show earlier was talking about it was mostly a positive experience you know, a lot of yeah. the guys were nervous and understandably so going into it. Uh, but most of what we've heard afterwards is, hey, you know, MLS did this right. Maybe that makes it easier to try to do this again uh, while we're having to find I ways around I think these it. guys want to play. You know, yeah. I, I think that's been clear to us and, and all the players we've talked to. I, I, I do think, you know, Sam, you raise a great point about if, if that's truly one of the routes they're going down of, like, same-day travel. I mean, that that's just a nightmare. And I think from a negotiation standpoint, I, I don't know that the, the Players Association would get behind that. I, I, I do wonder, you know, there's not a ton of travel going on right now. I mean, the league could conceivably have each team – you know, rent out a couple floors of a hotel near the stadium and just have those for the next several months, right? And then the league could take over sanitization of those or they could work with the hotel partners. Like, it feels like there's there's ways that this could be made better than, than what you described, but it would definitely still be... It's still going to be challenging. Um, yeah. and, and one of the things I, I heard, it might have been on uh, Roach's podcast earlier this week. I, I listened to a few of, of the other DC United podcasts this week, but they were talking a bit about, you know, talk about ugly soccer this is going to be the third week one (laughs) for dc united when it comes back right and so it was it wasn't pretty at the beginning of the season but we're like you know we got 34 games to to get better and it it wasn't pretty in orlando and we couldn't get out of the group so we only had three games there and you know if the if the situation that the athletic described can come to fruition i think you've got that time for this team to to actually build chemistry and get better um but man, if we go to another bubble, I, I I fear for this team again of just like how, how long does it take to get their legs under them and really start to to build that identity? And that's where I wonder like what the value of this plan is. Obviously, I, I as a fan, I want all the MLS games all the time. But you know, I'm just kind of assuming that not all of these games are going to be able to happen. Like some are going to need to be postponed and canceled, and it's going to be ugly soccer, and you're not getting you know the season that we all thought 2020 was going to be. So. Again, I almost say you just call it a wash. Like I, I don't, 
I don't I don't see the value. I, I don't think the value is sentimental at all. I think they want to be they want to have a plan in action so that if things change, if things start to open back up, they're ready to hit the ground running and they can start taking money from fans again. Um, I mean, that's a good point. I don't see that happening anytime soon, though. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a constantly evolving situation. And, and like like John said, I mean, the MLS has bigger money than the USL by a lot. So maybe they could do do a little bit more than the USL is doing. One thing that I see that we have our last bullet point on this subject this is the stadium availability. There's a bunch of teams moving around, uh, especially the baseball uh, inhabiting teams. Yeah. Um, but even DC United might Until have Major to League Baseball is canceled. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Until the, like tomorrow when they, they shut that down. But uh, it would be maybe not even in DC for DC United games. Yeah, Pablo Maurer broke some of that news uh, last week in The Athletic as well. And uh, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic by now, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to get you there. But uh, it was a great <laughs> article. And they talked about both um, Annapolis again, like we experienced, what was that, two years ago now, um, at the Navy Stadium, which was a blast, um, or out in Loudoun at Sager Field. And, and you know, pros and cons of, of each. But I, I think the, the first point really is that the teams are working at this, right? Like, you, you don't enter those sort of discussions, especially with, you know, an external partner like the Naval Academy would be uh, if there aren't some sort of, like, we really think we're going to do something. Yeah. Um, Segra, in my mind, is probably more ideal because DC United owns that. So that <laughs> would be, you know, no money really lost there. Uh, obviously, there'd be some sort of, of dollars exchanging hands to play at the Naval Academy. But, you know, it comes down to, like, this is all because DC – you know, the district of Columbia is probably not going to allow fans at Audi field. Um, and I guess I'll start there. Like with you guys, do you, with, with the way the world is right now, like, do you want to go to a live soccer game in person? How well, do you feel about that? Well, can I throw it back to you first? I know you put a, a poll on our Twitter. Yeah. Um, what were the results of that? Uh, people were still livid about the game that I try to put a, a yeah. funny, you know, thing on there. And most people were still pissed about the game. Um, but if you take out those results, um, an overwhelming majority of folks uh, said just play it at Audi without fans. That's uh, that's what I thought, which was interesting to me. And I wonder if that comes because people, at least the individuals who took the poll, are not quite ready to be going to a game. So they figured you might as well do it in D.C. and yeah. be at home and have that home field advantage, whatever that is nowadays, um, because I wouldn't go anyway. So I feel like it'd be huge for the players to play at Audi versus the, you know, the Navy Stadium down there in Annapolis. Uh for a bunch of reasons, but, but I mean, you're, you're not going to get fans, really that many fans at Segura. So why, why not just have it in Audi where it, where it looks nice on TV at least. And the players are comfortable depending on where the sun is. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think for me, I, I, I want to be able to go and see a game in person to make that decision for myself. But uh, yeah. you know, the team's talked a lot about the different measures that they would be willing to undertake having masks available having santas or uh staggering entries spreading people out in the stadium i think you know giving people the opportunity to evaluate that for themselves i can appreciate the value there yeah is the gate giveaway do you see my mask because i go down for that right (laughs) yeah i mean i think the way i broke it down in the poll was obviously just kind of where my head was at the time but like yeah audi field's home right the facilities are there they train there now like i I think most of the players would say yeah we we want to play there if you go out to loudon um i I can't imagine more than a thousand fans i I think right now the county is at a 250 person limit uh so when you if you count teams and staff on that how many fans are you really getting at that point 
and I mean it, it's a it's a nice stadium, but it's also a, it's obviously a lower league stadium. So I think these the players would want to play on grass, which they don't have out there, and of course they'd prefer to play at home. The, the The wild card to me was at the time Annapolis because it's bigger, so you could potentially put more fans in and still maintain a, a good semblance of social distancing. But uh, Anne Arundel County is has actually has a maximum of fifty people right now for outdoor <laughs> gatherings. So I, I I would venture to guess that that's almost entirely off the table unless that changes. Um, you know, to, to answer my own question, I, I'm with you, Michael. Like, I'd love to check the game out, you know, and kind of like we did with Across the Pond the other night, check it out and see how you feel. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 going to be a challenge, you know. Like, it, I, I think of, you know, some people say, oh, you just leave, like, a couple seats in between everybody. Well, I mean, we've all kind of been spending time together. We feel like we're in a good bubble. So, like, I don't need to have necessarily empty seats between the four of us, for example. But then the next party down, like, yeah, why don't we put, like, a number of empty seats there? Because I haven't seen those people probably since March, right? So, yeah, the way they stagger in the stadiums are going to be fascinating when well, these teams return. And I mean, it's so much. It's also, like, how, how do you leave then if you're in the middle of the – like yeah. the stands how do you leave yeah. past them you have to right? wait for the stewardess to <laughs> let you down the aisle I, I, yeah and i'm maybe drinking a beer the game because i don't want to have to use the restroom with all those people yeah um, exactly yeah the food lines you know they're not uh, yeah they talked about having off. those open i mean will they though like are you, are you trusting that are you going to stand in line for that it's going to be you know it's going to feel like such a longer line because you have to social distance just use your line. very efficient dc united app to mobily order some food Ouch. because that works <laughs> I, I mean at the end of the day it's, it's all a revenue question right i mean it, of course the fans are there to make noise and, and make that home field advantage but you know the teams are putting in work to try to find out how they can have fans so they can have additional money in their pocket on in a season that's been very difficult financially oh. and, and we've seen that around the world i'm sure and i appreciate that but i also wonder what the long-term ramifications are if there is an outbreak that's trace back to a game like it, i mean yeah I, I could see people canceling their season tickets you know like I, I mean people were a little bit frustrated at the thought of having fans um around audi field just because that puts in harm you know potentially the population of people who live around audi field um you know they're more susceptible than to the people who are walking to the game or parking in that area they're more likely than to catch the disease or um so I, I just think long term, like the publicity, like there's something's going to go wrong, right? We don't even know if the yeah. teams can play each other, let alone have fans there. So something somewhere is going to go wrong. And I think that's more of a publicity nightmare than just p- playing without fans. I'm tried and true are always the optimists when it comes to DC United <laughs> and games in general. <laughs> I was so optimistic about the MLS's back tournament. Like I, I fully believed that they were going to be able to get that done. And they did. I just I don't see them getting this done, mostly because of how the other leagues other sports have not been able to well we're gonna talk about another logistical nightmare when we come back <laughs> we'll throw it to break and we'll talk about how we're gonna play international games with an attempt to qualify the the men's national team for the world cup uh so stick with us here on tried and true the dc united postgame podcast presented by heineken tried and true the dc united postgame podcast presented by heineken we'll be back in less than two minutes can't listen to us live on youtube fine tried and true the dc united postgame podcast on apple podcasts Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or Pocket Cast the morning after the match. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 90 seconds. 
Hey, thanks for listening live. If you want to join the conversation, let us know what you think in real time using the chat on YouTube Live, on Twitter using the hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU, or text us at 202-892-6328. Tried and True, the DC United post-game podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 60 seconds. Let us know what you think between games on Twitter at hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU or email us at TriedAndTrueDCU at gmail.com. Tried and True, the DC United post-game podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 30 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and give us a follow on social media. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Tried and True DCU. Again, that's Instagram or Twitter at Tried and True DCU. segments down one segment to go try my john strong voice there that's pretty good right not yeah bad. not bad we'll to do it when it's more even 45 strong transition there nah, <laughs> look at that we're back here on tried and true the dc united postgame podcast presented by heineken and a little bit less about the black and red and a little bit more about the stars and stripes right now with some big news uh this past week from our friends at Concacaf, I don't think I've ever said that statement before <laughs> do we have um, friends there no <laughs> uh, but and it actually blows my mind. The only way I could possibly intro this is CONCACAF took what is typically, uh, you know, the hexagonal round, right? Which six teams, so it's a 10 games per team, right? Um, and, and they said, hey, this whole pandemic thing, why don't we play more games? And they <laughs> came back with the octagonal. In a um, way that only CONCACAF can. Right? I, and now, I, I thought about that a little bit, and, and they did cut out some of the qualifying games but like for the for the major teams uh you know in the confederation we're gonna play more games which is an interesting way to to do things listen Uh, they said uh, everyone misses soccer we're gonna give it to you they're they're meeting a need really they're being proactive and they managed to find time for the nation's league too well the the logic (laughs) that that is behind there and i know you know this john but that the way they changed it up this year is that you qualified automatically if you were like the top four fifa ranking spots which are also just a made-up thing um, and then, then the last two were like a, a play-in kind of thing, I believe. This is almost certainly better than the original plan for this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my but, gosh, that was a mess. But now there's, yeah, there's going to be a ridiculous amount of games. And, it, and basically what it, what it comes down to is now Canada have the chance to qualify to this, to this World Cup qualifying process. Uh, so I'm excited for that because they have a, a bunch of great players that we've seen in MLS and, and, you know, watched, unfortunately, you know, beat the United States recently, but, but they're exciting players and it would be fun to have, you know, all three host nation countries for the 2026 world cup in this 2022 year. Uh, I'm assuming that the men's national team, U S men's national team qualifies and I know Mexico will. So hopefully Canada also grab a spot. Yeah. And, and, the other news that was a little bit buried last week, I think Taylor Twelman might have broke it, but all three of those teams who are co-hosting the 2026 World Cup um, have officially been confirmed that they will be uh, auto automatic qualifiers for that. So 
at least uh, that's one bullet that the U.S. can dodge that they'll definitely be there in, in, in 2026. But Y'all. looks like you want to get in here. No. What's Y'all. on your mind? <laughs> you know, we, we got to get there no matter like, have to. No matter what way you get in, you, you got to get in. I mean, the, the team has to qualify for this time around. You know, we talk about growth of soccer in this country. Uh, <laughs> hosting the World Cup back in 1994 uh, being, and having the lead into it uh, by the team qualifying in 1990, that would really put us on the right track. You've got to qualify this time around. And yeah. frankly, you needed to qualify several years ago, too. But let's not talk about that. I really want to cry right now because of Christian Pulisic. Oh, <laughs> I feel like we can't man. not mention that right oh. now because I was getting ready to be like, all our kids are great. Like, we're absolutely going to qualify. But, I mean, for those of you that didn't watch the FA Cup yesterday, Christian Pulisic out with a hamstring injury, which was brutal to watch because he, he made a run from halfway yeah. up, got that shot off, and then he went down and we were like, oh, was he hit? Maybe. And then they showed the replay and you can, like, see the moment when yep. it pulled and he, like – near the halfway line and he continued running like screaming in agony as he got that shot off which is like the passion i love to see but he's been playing out of his mind heartbreaking oh my goodness he has been he's been phenomenal so and everyone acknowledges it and like my whole twitter feed you know if you looked or if you looked at the game feed it was a lot of arsenal fans after he scored the opening who's the first u.s men's national team to score in an fa cup yeah everyone was like Oh, I'm so mad because I'm an Arsenal fan, but it was Christian Pulisic, and like no one can deny that he deserves that. So I think everyone acknowledges how phenomenal he's been playing, and I haven't seen if they've put out officially what the injury was, if it was a tear, if it was a strain. I mean, it just happened yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I I haven't seen anything from Chelsea, which is kind of concerning because it feels like Paul all over again, where we were all like questioning what had happened, and, and it looked really bad on the screen, but. Uh, maybe the the silver lining here is there there are no more meaningful U.S. men's national team games for the rest of the year um, for the U.S. So yeah. uh, he should be good to recover for that. He, he was really hitting form for Chelsea, and they start back up really soon on September the 12th, so he'll probably miss time if it's a serious injury there. Um, so, yeah. so, so it looks like in, in March, you know, speaking of, of when, you know, meaningful national team games will come back, it's March of 21 for the U.S. is when they've moved the, the Nations League, if you remember that competition. Uh, they've moved the semifinals and finals to, of that uh, to, the, to the March window, it, it looks like. The crazier part, you know, just shifting back to the news that's dominated our lives since March, with coronavirus happening, CONCACAF has two windows they plan to use in both October and November this year to do the preliminary qualifying to get into the octagonal. And, you know, I I guess it didn't quite hit me when when we were putting together the show, but, you know, with our previous conversations, how is that going to (laughs) work? It's going to be a challenge. I mean, like we talked about, uh, you know, Canada will be playing games and, you know, you could potentially have exceptions made, but right now their borders are closed to folks from the United States. You still have difficulties making international travel happen. October is not that far away. It's, It's definitely going to be a distinct challenge. And, I really don't think that CONCACAF is going to, to spring for a bubble or a <laughs> soccer island as much as we might love to see it. Yeah, you wonder how much these teams are going to be able to play together. You know, how much they're going to, how soon before the games they're going to travel. You know, if they're going to get um, any time at all, really, before being at the game to just chat and, you know, get that 
team camaraderie going. Um, that's obviously a lot harder to do on a national team because you're not together day in and day out. Well, um, it, so those are all factors. And, and that's true, but that's also one of the things that national teams do on occasion. Like That's how they're built, is to have people come in for short-term periods. You either Camp Cupcake or you know, <laughs> other short windows. Uh, so perhaps they're better suited to be able to do these short-term things, but especially when we talked about fixture congestion earlier, uh, if you start running into FIFA windows, MLS has shown that they have no problem blowing through those if it doesn't fit what they want to do. Uh, you start having very high demands on people's schedules, and it gets challenging in a hurry. Yeah, and, and you know you, you mentioned that just looking ahead at the 2021 calendar, right? J- uh, June would be when the octagonal would start. Uh, so that that's when the official like qualifying for for the U.S. Um, and, and several of the other top seeded countries would start. There's also a Gold Cup in there in July, uh, which I like the Gold Cup, but also I don't know how much I like it any year where fixtures are already going to be crazy congested and there's oh. you know five full. Yeah, it looks like there's two windows in June that would be World Cup qualifying, then roll into July's Gold Cup, and then three more windows later that year all of, of World Cup qualifying, so the men's national team is going to be crazy busy yeah. next year. I, I've heard some things out of the camp for for the U.S. men's national team that they're going to basically have three squads that summer. They, they have a U23 tournament going on at the same time. They'll have a, ros- a, a separate roster well, for the They've got to do Olympic qualifying, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a separate roster for that, a separate roster for the Gold Cup, and probably a completely different roster for the qualifying in June. Which, uh, I mean, isn't as uncommon you know like a little bit to black's point is like typically the gold cup roster isn't all the a team for the u.s you know it's a lot of times it gets to that point the further along the tournament you go but they definitely use the group stages to get some people who might be on the outskirts who are definitely in the conversation but don't get the full minutes for those meaningful games you know you give them more time so maybe this is just really an opportunity for them but it's it's not something that's that's new to this team um the the wandalaskis of the world Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, it, but what an opportunity for Bearhalter too, right? I mean, he, it's been a challenging run for him just with a lack of meaningful games, other than the the Gold Cup last summer. Um, you know, to bring folks in, and then of course, pandemic right now. One of the crazy things, though, is that you know we we've berated the Nations League in the past, but it does take away some opportunities to have you know good competitive friendlies against other you know global powers and 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 we've you know a couple summers ago we played several teams in europe which was great um you know it gave really good meaningful minutes for the guys but looking at this schedule there there's no room for that uh you know the u.s will have a couple opportunities this fall because they're not you know involved in the early windows but there's a challenge of who who you're going to be able to schedule and and where you're going to be able to play them and then looking ahead to 2022 you know, hope to God they get out of this, uh, you know, they get out of the group and, or I'm sorry, out of the, out of the octagonal and they qualify. But then CONCACAF has, has done us the, the disservice of scheduling three Nations League windows in the lead up to the World Cup. And so the tune-up games, uh, hopefully for the U.S., but really for everyone in CONCACAF is going to be playing each other, um, which is frustrating. You know, I, especially going into the World Cup, you'd like to see, you know, schedule Germany. Schedule a team like the Netherlands that just barely missed the World Cup the last time around, but they, you know, they're able to play these games. You want to play better teams. Um, the U.S. hopefully, but you know, Mexico and, and the rest of Concacaf aren't going to have that opportunity this time around. I'll fight you on this one, John. I I don't think we need that. We had that last time. And tell me now how meaningful Bobby Woods 
goal, game-winning goal against the Netherlands. He's not even with the team anymore, right? And the Netherlands is off well, on the way. Well, we didn't qualify for that World Cup either. Right. And so it definitely did. I mean, that kind of helps. It doesn't help us to play. We got to beat our teams first. So I, I want to play Mexico 27 times before the World Cup. And if we can beat them. Can, like, <laughs> you just want to go to the Azteca, which uh, I do too. I but. mean, yeah. I don't know how we got, got this far without mentioning that. but <laughs> We're going to have a bubble on the Azteca. Daily I, perfect. I, I, I don't know where this is coming from, John. We, we're maybe the third best team in CONCACAF most of the time. Let's let's get up there before we start challenging. I, I disagree. I disagree with you. I agree with John a little bit. Is that you do want to see? Why are you shocked? I, I, have you watched <laughs> the men's national team recently? No, but no, but when when you're fighting the same people or fighting when you're playing the same teams over Mostly and over and over again, cap. yeah, against uh, Mexico, yeah. Um, but you you just get used to battling that style of play. But obviously, like you can kind of cap there's like a style of play almost within CONCACAF there's like a style of play within Europe and you really want to experience all of those heading into this tournament where you will be playing all of those styles so if we play Mexico 26 times and we get to the point where we can beat Mexico that's great but can we then do we know how to play against a Germany you know it's a Spain a France probably not you're you're getting the B teams for those European teams I'd rather it doesn't matter they're still ideally most of the time they're still doing the style of play that the A team is doing so you're still getting used to adapting to different situations and playing different types of players I I think the important distinction here because Joshua you make a fair point right like if we could schedule Mexico in every window that that would be fine or but that's not who you're going to get in those nations you got to beat Trinidad and Tobago also well so Uh, challenge me come in because we've consistently lost to Canada we we lose to Costa Rica most of the time now because they they gotten good Mexico when's the last time we beat any of those teams in Nations League you're going to get Canada and Cuba that was who we had the last time. So Canada, did, did, I'll give you Canada, right? We, Jamaica, we had one tough game. Beat so, us. So what? We're really good at beating Concacaf teams, and we can't play against no, anyone I'm else listing in the world. Teams, it was a waste of time. I, I'm listing teams that we can't beat. We we weren't able to beat Jamaica down the street at Audi Field. We weren't able to beat Canada when it really mattered. We haven't played well against Mexico and whatever. And and don't discredit those teams because Me- Tata's got Mexico playing really well. They they mix up the styles. They they have a beautiful style of play, and we haven't been able to figure that out. I I don't. But I'm saying when, you, when you're competing against A, B, and C, if you're only focusing on how to beat A, when you get to B and C, you're going to get slaughtered, and that's not what I want to uh, see so happen. I, I get where you're coming from as far as trying to play different styles and have different experiences, but as we've already mentioned, the national team is such a different beast. It's not like you're drilling together day in, day out for an entire season. You've got a very short window of time to be able to play those different, those different games, and then you slide back out ideally you've got players who are experienced with their club teams have experience playing with different systems and then the coaching staff is in a position that can say hey this is what we need to do for this match in front of us so it doesn't necessarily bother me if we get good quality games like say playing mexico 27 times like joshua uh, keeps telling us that said i think the bigger thing that you want there is playing against players of that kind of caliber that are actually going to push you uh like it or not, you know, Cuba can play whatever formation they want. We should thrash them. Yeah, we don't. We don't get time. better playing Cuba. Uh, and that's and that's what I mean. If you play Germany and Spain and France, you're getting better. So that way, you can beat the Trinidad and Tobago. But if you're just playing Trinidad and Tobago until you can beat them, and then you get to these bigger teams, then it, that doesn't compute. Whereas it computes down better. And also remember, this entire argument is predicated on the U.S. making the World Cup and then needing to ramp up in those windows in the fall. Just as just comparison wise, right? I mean, obviously, Concacaf is not as good as UEFA, but substitute us into who made it know. out of Mexico and Germany's group? 
Who's won all the World Cups, though? Yeah, CONCACAF's not nearly but as Maybe the last time the U.S. men's national team was in a World Cup. I, I just want to clarify, I, I don't like this like superiority U.S. men's national team thinks they have over CONCACAF when it's not there at all. That is not what I'm we saying. We should not even be on the field with Germany at their peak or Spain when they're good, which, I mean, those teams are kind of average now, and Mexico has been beating them. You learn more from those games, though. When has CONCACAF won a World Cup? They haven't, so you need to be able to play against these other teams, and I would rather have 26 games against Germany and lose against them and learn more from each of those games than play teams that we've been playing forever and not learn enough to be able to transfer that over. I think it'll be fascinating uh, moving well, well far into the future. Uh, 2026, we've said we were already qualified. You don't have to go through the rigmarole of actually making it through the CONCACAF qualifying. Yeah, do you, I was going to ask, do you participate in, in qualifying if you're a, a host nation? I wasn't yeah. around in 1994. To, no, to, you, no don't, you don't have to go through qualifying. So, yeah, that that's a perfect time. Play whoever you want. Like, Yeah, and who knows how CONCACAF will set that up. Maybe they'll play a gigantic round robin for four years. Who knows? But, <laughs> but you know, it will be interesting to see who we try to schedule and what we think provides us the best setup for that. Of course, that's five six years from now so who knows but it's a different conversation entirely yeah i I think the original point i was trying to make was you know if if the u.s qualifies right and they've got three windows that they can work with in the lead up to that world cup you want to be as prepared as you can for the competition you're going to face in the tournament playing cuba playing curacao it it, it doesn't help as a matter of fact i would argue that it hurts I would rather see us playing teams that failed to qualify from Europe or teams that did qualify in Europe that are going to be there. And and you're right, maybe we lose. We probably will lose. But that's how you get better. You you don't want to play teams that are worse than you. You you don't improve that way. I I don't think there's anything wrong with playing other teams that didn't qualify from CONCACAF. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. that's us. That's just not where you expend your energy. I don't like... I hear what you're saying. I, I, I'm standing by it. You guys can't convince me. I, I don't think the U.S. men's national team is good enough to be playing friendlies with Germany and the likes of that. I, I think they need to get better in their own area, and I don't think playing B teams from Europe is going to get it. I think winning these games, because that's how you're going to have to do it every single cycle. You're going to have to beat the, the, the Cubas and stuff. Well, and the challenge is, is playing away against those teams for the most part, Maybe with the exception maybe of Canada, who we lost to. That, that was an away game, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really, the challenge at CONCACAF is, is going to a, a very difficult place to play on a field that's probably not that great. It, it, you know, Thinking of, like, Honduras, for example, when it's a billion degrees and they schedule the game at 1 p.m., right? Like, all of those things that aren't Ceteris Paribus, right? Like, when we play these teams in the Gold Cup, we beat most of them. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I would much rather go to, uh, you know, a ruckus crowd in in uh, in Belgium or in Italy, right? And and you get, it's it's just a different thing. You don't have to worry about the pitch. You don't have to worry as much about the referees. You're worried about playing the game better than the team that's you know across from you. I, I feel like this would be a good poll to throw out to the listeners, uh, or, or you could just hit us in the chat right now. Um, uh, it's interesting. We don't know, right? We'll, we'll just have to see the the approach the team takes and where that leads them if that really correlates at all i also think we have the advantage of more players playing abroad you know we have players in england and germany and you know that they are playing against the national team players of these european teams so i think that that is giving them um experience and they're playing at at a higher level than if they were to be playing in the states so i think that that does give a level of experience that we didn't necessarily see in this team that didn't qualify in 18 yeah and one of those things that you mentioned you know talk about the officiating 
more than playing a team with a different style or a different formation i think you do see a, a different kind of environment when you play with concap officials who mm-hmm. so true will let some of these teams that we think are not on the same talent level as the united states men's national team play a more physical style that's us. <laughs> that's what you do you see it in mls games too yeah where you've got a team that it's clearly more talented but you slow them down you find ways to disrupt what they're trying to do if you have you know, situations where you're playing these games, you know potentially with fewer fans or more limited environments, you know, are the officials going to call it the same way? Uh, I think everything else being equal, you'd like to be able to play a lot of games against a lot of different styles, playing everything that will come against you, and then you know hopefully by the time the cycle wraps up and you get into the World Cup, you're ready to play the couple of teams that uh, the ping pong balls fall and yeah, sort it out. Well, and I think, you know, just, just to kind of round off the segment, I, Joshua, I think you and I are 100% on the same page at this moment in time with, you're right, the U.S. has not qualified. They did not qualify in the last cycle. And what they need to do right now is beat the CONCACAF team. So today and, and even this fall, and, and I don't think they're going to have much of a choice with, you know, travel restrictions and stuff. But, yeah, right now their focus absolutely needs to be on beating these teams that are in CONCACAF because that's the immediate path. I, I agree with you 100% there. I think you know, I looked ahead to if they get through that, right, then you need to shift your focus to playing, you know, other teams in the world that you're then going to see in the next tournament. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to me, an ideal cycle right now would be playing Honduras away, playing Cuba mm-hmm. away, playing, right, because then you're going into these tough environments that you've got to get through first right. before you get to the World Cup. And, and then, as, as James Graham hits us up in the chat, uh, maybe we can schedule an England or a Germany or Spain and play against uh, an elite team. Um yeah, you're right. That was a fair point. That's potentially two different conversations we were having, but I think. Oh, <laughs> yeah, some trash talking. And I don't know. Pool six tearing it up against all those English guys. Uh, we'll see if his hammy is good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm excited for this team. Uh, it's a com- completely different than, like Sam said, it's completely different than that one we saw almost, it's going to be, what, like five, six years ago. Um, yeah. Uh, and I feel like they, they, they do well against There's a both. lot of promise. Yeah. Right? I mean, but Pulisic, obviously, we talk a lot about hopefully future Leicester City great Weston McKinney is, is you know, playing a big role in this team. Uh, we can solidify a, a full-time goalkeeper who's not named Brad Guzan. Um, <laughs> Zach Sutton's getting recalled. So. Could yeah. be, could be between the sticks for Man City next season, which uh, I don't know. I doubt, but it, it would I mean, be I mean, even training in that huge, environment, yeah. yeah, it would be huge for the men's national team. Absolutely. Get another uh, Tim Howard caliber goalie, which would be great. Or, you know, Bill Hamid caliber goalie. Uh, I mean, we'd also love to see Bill Hamid, yes. Well, before we wrap the show, we spent some time talking about uh, you know soccer across the pond, but we got to shout our sponsors at Across the Pond here uh, in in DC. That's um, a new partnership we've formed. We're super excited. Um, they've got great food, they've got great beer, and they've got a promo code for you if you're listening to the show uh, this week using the promo code Podcast. Uh, you can save five percent off your order, whether that's uh, dine in, takeout, delivery, um, gift certificates, the works. Um, yeah, great people, yeah. great food. They're doing it all. Yeah, if, if you're not comfortable sitting in, then absolutely take out. You know, we're not trying to pressure anyone to do that. But, you know, they, they do have fairly safe sit-in practices. So if you're absolutely. if you're comfortable, go for it. Any final thoughts on this week's show? Friends? I miss, miss DC United. I wish things were different and I could watch them play. I have a feeling this week we're going to hear some something definitive about the plans because we're running we're running really low on time at the MLS's back tournament, and I think they're going to want to at least lay out what the plan is. But... Um, 
from your lips to Don Garber's ears. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, well, hopefully we'll have a show for you again next weekend. Uh, let us know if there's a specific player uh, or, uh, or or team member you'd like uh, you'd like us to chat with, and, and uh, we'll see what we can do. We can also get those questions prepped. But uh, in, in the meantime, we're back on hiatus, which means we're still going to play Bobby Wine to lead out the show, uh, as everyone except for me and Michael shakes their head. Thanks for joining us this week uh, here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. The bad news is that everyone is a potential victim. But the good news is that everyone is a potential solution. Sensitize the masses to sanitize. Keep a social distance and quarantine. Stop! The coronavirus is sweeping over mankind. Everybody must be alert. It's a global pandemic we can never take for Wash your hands, keep a distance from everyone. Report anything like a simple tomb. Serious fever is a simple tomb. Like off is a simple tomb. Oh, great, is a simple tomb. Itchy eyes and flu is a 